0: Welcome to the City Light Church podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we look into God's Word and discover the hope and truth that He has for us. If you want to connect with City Light Church, feel free to visit us at citylightnyc.com. That's citylightnyc.com. Pastor Boyan Jancic and his team believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is already working in our hearts and minds. As you listen to today's teaching, Remember that you are deeply loved by God, that you are surrounded by His grace, and that He has a real hope and a future for you.
1: I want to preach this morning on what the resurrection means for you. Amen. Most people are turned into WIFM radio. What's in it for me radio And we're not just celebrating someone else's victory today, but we're celebrating what that means for us. Because he did it all for us. He didn't need to do that. He did it for you. He did it for me. And so I want to give you seven things that you have as a result of the resurrection. Are you ready? Amen. Amen. Let's begin in John chapter 20 and verse 17. This is right after Jesus' resurrection. Mary Magdalene was, of course, very excited. Imagine how excited she was. We're so excited 2,000 years later. She sees him risen, and of course, she wants to come and touch him. She wants to worship him. And he says something seemingly peculiar. He says, don't cling to me. I like the old King James. He says, touch me not. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, And say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Now we know that Jesus' official ascension wasn't until 40 days after this. He actually was ascended 10 days before Pentecost, which is 50 days after these events. So he spent time in his resurrected body, in his glorified body. The Bible even bears witness to that teaching, instructing, talking to people. But he's talking about ascending here. Why? Let's keep looking. Ten verses later, in John 20, verse 27. Here we have Doubting Thomas coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. What happened here, I ask you? Have you ever noticed this in the Scriptures? Ten verses ago, he said, don't touch me. Excuse me, touch me not. (laughs) Now he's saying to Thomas, touch me, feel me, put your hand in my side. In Luke, he actually says, touch me, see that I am flesh and bone, for a ghost, a spirit, does not have flesh and bone. Because Thomas said, we're seeing a ghost, we're seeing a spirit. Something very beautiful, something very significant happened in between those 10 verses, which were probably separated by only a few hours. Now, we just celebrated Good Friday, and we celebrated Jesus going to the cross. We celebrated him being our substitute. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. He went there, having never, ever sinned, 100% God, 100% human, and he came to give his life for us. And the Bible says that the just payment for sin is punishment. It's the wrath of God. But God loved you and me so much that he provided a way of escape from that judgment, from that penalty. It was he himself. He went as our substitute on that cross, and was hammered with the wrath of God in our place so that we wouldn't have to be what a glorious Savior we serve. And so that blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. But that blood had to be applied. Under the old covenant, there was a high priest. Under the old covenant, the Hebrews had an entire sacrificial system that pointed the way toward Jesus. The blood of lambs, perfect spotless lambs, the blood of bulls, goats, heifers. I know this is gruesome for some of you if you're not used to it, but God doesn't shy away from blood. And the high priest would offer up the sacrificial animal that was spotless. Again, it never took away sin. The Bible says it just covered, it just atoned, but really it pointed to the one, the spotless lamb of God who was to come. And that blood would be taken and sprinkled on the temple or tabernacle furniture, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, even on the people. Because God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Death cannot come where death has already been. When he sees the blood, his judgment, his wrath, passes over that. But the blood had to be applied. It wasn't enough that the children of Israel, when the plague was hitting Egypt, it wasn't enough that they killed a sacrificial lamb. It had to be applied to the doorposts. Even at the temple sacrifice, the blood had to be applied. It was sprinkled on the holy furniture, in the holy temple, upon the people. And all of those things that we have here on earth are just a shadow, a type, of what actually exists in heaven. When God told Moses about the holy furniture, it was because that already existed in heaven. When God gave instruction on how the temple and his house was to be built, it's because the actual is in heaven. The real is in heaven. And we have a copy here on earth, amen, or had. So what happened? Just bear with me right now. I know I've given you a lot already. I'm just three or four minutes in. But this is really going to bless you. What happened in between those 10 verses? Between don't touch me and touch me? We find that in Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest, not an earthly high priest, but he himself, as the high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. Where is the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands? In heaven. The one made with hands was just a copy of what already was in heaven. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh... How much more, P.S., the answer is much more, way more. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What happened in between don't touch me and touch me? This happened. Jesus himself went into heaven. We're very much focused on the ascension. The official ascension that we see in the first chapter of Acts as he's taken up into heaven and the angels say, the way you saw him being taken up, that's in like manner how he'll return. But there was another, call it a mini ascension. Because Jesus had a glorified body. He wasn't subject to material, physical, time. He went into heaven as your high priest with his own blood. Not like a natural earthly high priest with the blood of a goat or a bull, but with his own holy blood. And he is 100% God, 100% man. Why is that important? Because for the forgiveness of all sin, once and for all, for the forgiveness of all sin, the taking away of all sin, only God can do that. Only God's blood could do that. So he went in, and he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat under the old covenant. The high priest would even sprinkle the blood on the people. Jesus did that on the people of the world, that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In potential format, the whole world is saved. The whole world has received forgiveness of sins and eternal life. They only need to recognize what Jesus has done and call on him. Hallelujah! So number one, I'm going to tell you seven things that you have as a result of the resurrection. Number one, you have forgiveness of sins. You have confirmation that that substitutionary blood sacrifice that Jesus brought on Good Friday on the cross was well received in heaven and is yours now. And now whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah! 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 That's number one, confirmation of the sacrifice. Confirmation that your sins have been forgiven. Now, if that weren't enough, because, you know, that, I feel like I could end right there and yeah. we could all rejoice. Number two, 1 Peter. You have, as a result of the resurrection, something called the new birth or being born again. It's one thing to have your sin taken out of the way, but the Bible says that when you're born again, a new spirit is put inside of you. Your human spirit, your heart, The real you on the inside of this human shell is recreated and born again by the Holy Spirit. And that's as a result of what happened today, of what we're celebrating today. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So because of the resurrection... The blood of Jesus is applied to your life and sin removed and taken out of the way. And then because of the resurrection, you don't have to have your old sinful spirit, but he's given you the new birth. Put a new spirit in you if you will call upon him, if you will give your life to him, if you will trust him for that. Jesus talks more about the new birth in John chapter 3. Starting at verse 3. A Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus came to him at night. We like to call that Nick at night. He was shy. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. You know, when I first became a Christian, every time they'd say born again, I cringed. Because in the 90s, when I became a Christian, that word, that phrase, those words, born again, just through the media and through, I, I was only 16 years old, but I, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I didn't want to be associated with that. That's, isn't it amazing how powerful culture is and how powerful the media is? But Jesus gave his life, Jesus bled so that we could. Go from darkness to light and from death to life and have a brand new sp- It's not like he comes and puts makeup on you. It's not like he just refurbishes an old engine. He puts a brand spanking new heart, a new spirit on the inside of you. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born When he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, being born of water is the natural birth. Being born of the Spirit is the new creation birth. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. Hallelujah. Well, thankfully, because of the resurrection, we have a high priest, Jesus Christ himself, who's applied his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins. That's number one. Number two, we have the new birth because of the resurrection. Number three, you have confirmation that you will live forever because of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 6.14 And God both raised up the Lord. I like how I said that. My voice cracked a little bit. Not intentionally, but I got a little bit. And God both raised up the Lord. Come on, somebody. And will also raise us up by his power. (laughs) Thank you. He raised up the Lord. And because he raised the Lord up, we know that he will raise us up. Because he lives, we will live. Listen, I don't know about you, and forgive me, I'm going to get a little bit excited right now. My wife, I love her. I asked her, how do you think first service went? I take all of She said, it was really good. You got, you, you got really, really loud. I said, I know. I can't help it. Hey! I only have one soul and eternity matters. What does it matter if I gain the whole world and lose my own soul? What does it matter? How awful, how depressing it is to go through this life without God which is miserable enough and to work your finger to the bone chasing all the shiny things and then to die and appear before God without the blood on my life without him as my savior and then have to go to a devil's hell which God never intended for anyone but that's exactly where we'll go if we don't receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior because we'll die in our sins so what a joy that is to know that because he lives you will live forever hallelujah Jesus had Jesus said it himself. John chapter 11, verse 25. And I get especially excited because the Lord plucked me out. My kids are privileged to have been born with the gospel and into a Christian home. My wife was born into a Christian home. I didn't know anything about anything. My mother was here in the first service. I got a text from her and my dad this morning. Today is On Easter Sunday, exactly 30 years ago, I brought them to church as a young 17 year old. I got saved, God got to me first, and I worked on my parents. But I I know all the arguments against Christianity. I know I was caught up in all that. In the new age, before I was big on evolution, for me, that was a hindrance until I realized believing. And evolution as it's presented is like believing that you can take a bomb and throw it into a junkyard and after the explosion you come and all that junk somehow became a fine Swiss chronometer. (laughs) Even scientists would say, I believe that there's intelligent design. Yes, there's intelligent design. In fact, he's infinitely all wise, beyond intelligent. And he has a name and he fashions you with his own hands. And he loves you. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I'm going to say just one more time because those words are so powerful. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this all important question. Do you believe this? Do you believe do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yes. Hallelujah. Number one, you have confirmation because of the resurrection. Remember, we're talking about things you have as a result of Jesus' re- resurrection. You have confirmation that all your sins are t- completely taken away. Number two, you have the new creation and the new birth. Number three, because of the resurrection, you have confirmation that you will live forever. Number four, in Revelation 13, 8, you have a God with a plan. The resurrection proves that God knows exactly what he's doing, that he exists and lives outside of time, and he knows the end from the beginning. Revelation 13, 8, it says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him. It's actually talking about the beast, not Jesus whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What happened in the garden didn't surprise God. The plan of salvation, that's God coming in the person of Jesus, walking this earth and never sinning, going on the cross, going into a tomb, being resurrected on the third day. None of that was an emergency 911 backup plan. It didn't take God by surprise because the Bible says Jesus was the Lamb of God slain even before let there be light was spoken, even before the foundations and the creation of the world. I don't exactly know how that went down and give me a little theological leeway here, please. But I just imagine, I like to think there was a conversation with the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father said, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth and I'm going to put man on the earth and give him dominion over all the earth. And the Holy Spirit jumped in and said, well, if you do that and man has free will, he's going to mess it up and he's going to rebel against you and fall into sin. And the Father said, I know. And the Holy Spirit said, there's going to have to be a blood sacrifice to take that sin away. The Father said, yeah, who's going to do it? And Jesus said, I'll go. And he was the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. But that's so beautiful to know that you serve an almighty All-knowing God who knows the end from the beginning and the resurrection is further proof that you serve a God who has a master plan. And that same God, Jesus said, has taken the time to number every hair on your head. He loves you. He calls you out by name. And if you'll allow him, he'll work in your life. Hallelujah. Number five. Because of the resurrection, you were raised together With him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. That word when it comes to the cross and the resurrection. That word together is used very frequently. You were crucified together with him. You say how could that be? I wasn't even born yet. In the mind of God you were. In the mind of God you were already there. Jesus was your substitute. He was a representative man. And Jesus was whipped and beaten, and bled. He didn't deserve that, but you know who did? I did. You did. And so when God the Father looks at Jesus on the cross, he sees you. Your sins being punished in Jesus. And when God the Father looks at you right now, you know how he sees you? He sees you as the risen Jesus. Perfect, complete, and sinless. And at the resurrection, you were raised together with him. You were crucified in the mind of God together with him. You were buried together with him. And you were raised together with him. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, Made us alive together. Shout that word, together. Together. He made us alive together. When did that take place? Today. Easter Sunday. At the resurrection. In potential format. He made all of humanity alive together with him. And when you come to that place where you say, I believe that. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I give my life to you. That's when you appropriate it by faith and it becomes real to you. Are you catching me here, church? Yes. So you were raised together with him. He and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what we're celebrating today isn't just Jesus' resurrection. It's our resurrection. We're celebrating what he's done for us. He raised us up together with him. And then he made us, and there's that word again, together. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Some of these things you can only understand by the Holy Spirit, and even then, it's. (laughs) Because right now, it seems apparently in the natural, we're sitting at 4401 Broadway. But in the mind of God, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. And let me tell you something. When you catch that truth, it changes your whole perception. It changes your understanding of the authority that you walk in. It changes your understanding of the blessing that you have upon you. That you know that you don't have to cry out to God. God," Like he's a thousand miles away. It doesn't get any closer than you and him and he and you. And you seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means if there was a camera on the throne right now, like in Revelation, when John, he appeared in heaven and he said, I saw the one, I saw the one sitting on the throne. You're inside that one. How is that possible? Because of today, Resurrection Sunday, hallelujah. Let's keep reading because it's so good I I just can't stop in Ephesians. For by grace. For by What is grace? It's God's undeserved, unmerited favor. And that's the only way salvation is given. Often people will wonder, what must I do? What must I do to earn salvation? I wasn't raised, again, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, I got a lot of my messed up theology from watching cartoons as a kid. I don't know if you remember that old Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom actually dies. There's a grand piano, you remember that, comes sliding down the staircase and it hits Tom and he dies and his spirit comes out of his body. Actually, I, I talked about this a couple of times before because it was very meaningful for me as a four-year-old to see this. Tom's spirit comes out of his body, there's a golden escalator that he goes up on, and there's like St. Peter, but it's a cat, you know. And he tells Tom, he tells Tom, you can't go in because you've been you spent your whole life persecuting this mouse. So he's and he said, you basically, you could look this up, it's on YouTube, great, from like 1943. It's called Puss and Puss Boots is the name of this one. I watched it with my kids several times. He has to go back down to earth and get Jerry to sign a contract that says, I've forgiven Tom. And I'm watching this as a kid, and it's meaning, it's having an impact, you know, because your spirit recognizes, okay, there's, there's something here. There's some truth to this. But the thing that wasn't truthful is that, he, that you would have to do something to get to heaven. Because the reality is, is that we cannot do enough. And that's why I thought, and many of you also thought, that when you get to heaven, there'll be some type of balance beam. Your good deeds versus your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get in. And if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, well then you, you go down. Let me, let, me not, uh, let me not be abstract about it. You go to hell. But that's not how it is. Because you have to be completely perfect to enter into heaven. Even one sin will keep you out of heaven. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, we've all been born into this world into sin. Sounds like we're in a pickle, huh? If you can only be perfect to enter into heaven and we all have sin, what do we do? This is very terrible, huh? Sounds like we need a savior, someone to rescue us, someone someone who will take their righteousness and give it to us. And the Bible says it's by grace. He does it for free. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. You simply surrender and say, Jesus, I believe what you did at the cross and what happened at your resurrection, that set me free, and I believe that, and I, so I give you my life, and that's the invitation for you today. Do not leave this Easter Sunday service not knowing that you're heaven-bound, not knowing that your sins have been blotted out, not knowing that you can have a, a friendship with God. You know why I do this? Because he captured me with his love, with his friendship. You know why people come here every Sunday? It's not because they need to, because they they're forced to. It's not because of religious obligation or traditional obligation. It's because they actually have a relationship with God and love God. Can I get a hearty amen? amen. But let's keep reading. For by grace, that means for free, God's undeserved and God's unmerited favor. That is how eternal life and salvation come. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. What are works? Things that you do to score points with the big guy. You can't score enough points to undo the sin that's in your life, but one drop of Jesus' blood will take it all away. And I I almost grabbed the mic during worship in the first service. I'm going to say it. I feel like someone needed to hear this in the first service because they're so condemned. All they can think about is the wrong they've done. And in the back of their mind, Satan is whispering, you've done too much wrong to ever be forgiven. You're, You're just an exceptionally bad case. You are not that strong and not that bad that you're more powerful than the precious blood of Jesus. Do you hear me? Amen. Hallelujah. Number six, found in Hebrews 8:6. Things that you have as a result of the resurrection, you have a high priest and a mediator. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, talking about Jesus. Inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Better covenant. Do you like upgrades? I love upgrades. I didn't need the iPhone 14, but... First of all, I'm on the annual plan, but it's so nice, you know? There's nothing wrong with the 13. I want four, you know, and if I had the 1.0, I want the 2.0. And here the Bible says that you have covenant 2.0. It actually says this is a better covenant. Why is it a better covenant? Or is just the writer of Hebrews a disgruntled former Hebrew and he said, you know what? We're going to show those hardline Jewish people we have a better covenant. No, it's because under the old covenant, under the old testament, There was an agreement, there was a covenant between God and man. And man had to hold up their end of the bargain. So it was, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. Consequently, you often see them stumbling and fumbling and falling and being cursed. That's why when you read the Old Testament, every few chapters you got to kind of clear your head because they're getting their butts kicked. This is making sense to anyone. If you've read the Old Covenant, you know it's the Word of God. We love the Old Covenant, but at times it can be a little depressing. Because when man is in charge, when man has to hold up the deal, he'll always fail. That's the Old Covenant. Now in comes the New Covenant, established and ratified by Jesus' blood. And what does that say? Under the New Covenant, you have a mediator, a high priest. That word priest, it means bridge maker or bridge builder. That's why, by the way, I don't have the title of priest. I'm a pastor. I don't need to build any bridges. The bridge has already been built. I just point to the great bridge builder. And under the new covenant, if you never heard this, this is going to be like water to your soul. Because religion does not want you to know this. Institutions don't want you to know this. Under the new covenant, you have Jesus resurrected in heaven as your high mediator, your high priest. And he is forever holding your end of the covenant in place for you. So when you fall, he's holding it together. Even if you sin, he's holding it together. You come back to him, he's holding it together. He's forever holding your end of the deal together as your mediator. If that's not a better covenant, I don't know what is. Hallelujah. And that's as the result of the resurrection you have a high priest and a mediator a go between forever keeping your end of the deal in place. And number 7 you have an unshakable joy as a result of the resurrection. Hebrews 12:12. 12, 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what was the joy that was set before him? Well, obviously the resurrection was part of it. And then seeing that you would be the fruit of the resurrection, that he would be able to purchase his people back with his own blood. And that's why he endured the pain and the separation from God the Father at the cross, Because of that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Happiness depends on happenings. Those go up and down and change. But nobody can ever tear Jesus Christ out of your bosom, ever. He is an unshakable joy that remains. 1 Peter 1.8 Whom, having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing. By the way, Peter is writing to a group of people who didn't have an eyewitness account of the resurrection, much like us. Yet believing. Even though you haven't seen, yet believing. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Hallelujah! worship team come on up I want to just recap this for you, seven things that you have that are yours available to you if you will receive them by faith there is a condition you have to believe and then give your life to him and you know I have never ever met a Christian ever who says you know I really regret that day I gave him my life I really regret you know so terrible. I've never met that person. <laughs> Recap. Number one, you have confirmation of the sacrifice. Your sins have been forgiven and the blood of Jesus has been applied. Number two, you have the new birth. Not only are your sins taken out of the way, but you've been given a brand new spirit. You're called a new creation in Christ. Number three, because of the resurrection, You have confirmation that you will never die and live forever with him in heaven. Number four, because of the resurrection, you know that you have a God with a plan. Number five, we're celebrating our resurrection today. You were raised together with him. Number six, you have a high priest and a mediator of a better covenant. And number seven, you have an unshakable joy. He did this because he loves you. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want to extend an invitation to you to receive this great love and to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. To everyone online and here in this sanctuary, to everyone under the sound of my voice, I want to ask you a very important question. If, God forbid, you were to die today, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? Most people say, I hope so. You don't have to hope so. I say this with love in my heart. If you're saying, I hope so, you're not going to get into heaven. Why? Why? Because faith knows so. Faith seizes the promise. You don't have to hope so. In 1 John, he said, Beloved, these things I write to you that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't hope so that I have a microphone in my hand. I know that I have it. I know when something's in my possession. I know when I'm holding something. You can know that you're holding eternal life. It's by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So again, I ask you this question, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? If you can't answer that question with a heartfelt, resounding yes that you say with your whole chest, I want to pray with you and for you. I'm not going to ask you to get up out of your seat, but I'm asking you to lift up your hand and acknowledge your need for a Savior. To everybody... Online in the sanctuary at the count of three, if you're not absolutely certain that you're heaven bound, with every head bowed, eyes closed, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand and I'm gonna lead you in prayer. In Jesus' name, one, two, three, lift up your hand if you wanna know Him as your Lord and Savior. Lift up your hand if you want to receive the full forgiveness of sins. Don't delay. Don't wait. And please don't put it off and say tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even like a vapor. The scripture says that. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. Keep your hands lifted, every head bowed, every eye closed. Who else? Is there another? Is there somebody else? What you're saying here with an uplifted hand is I acknowledge that I've sinned and I acknowledge that I can't do anything about it and I acknowledge that Jesus already did something about it and I look to him as my savior. Anyone else? Holy Spirit, may you soften hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Let's say this prayer together. Everybody's gonna pray it, but those of you who've lifted up your hands, say it extra loud, will you? Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Say this out loud, everybody. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe the punishment for sin that I deserved fell on you. I believe you were buried and I believe you were raised up on the third day. And I believe you're in heaven now as my mediator. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. So now, I am free, I am am forgiven, I am am made new, new. and I'm a friend of God. God. In Jesus' name, shout a big amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: This is the City Light Church Podcast. If you've missed any part of today's message, or if you would like to find out more about Pastor Boyan Jancic and City Light Church, visit us at citylightnyc.com. That's citylightnyc.com. Feel free to visit us online or in person anytime. We would love to connect with you. We pray that you have been encouraged today, that you have been reminded how much God loves you, and that you are surrounded by grace. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to City Light Church Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide.